Hello and welcome to Sisters Who Stan, the podcast that takes a deep dive into the stories and shows that made us and explores the questions they've left us asking. I'm Emma. And I'm Bridie. Buckle in as we prepare to celebrate the weird and wonderful world of fandom. Hello, welcome to episode five of series two. Number 13 altogether. Unlucky for some. Unlucky for some, not for us, Bridie, eh? No cell remains to be seen. <laughs> remains to be seen. TBC. I, I like how we both wore black today uh, in honour of Snape. That wasn't planned, was it? This is actually a very dark navy. Oh, is it? But that's also a Snape-themed colour with Slytherin. This is like that Kylo conversation we had where I was like, he's wearing a navy top. And you were like, it's black. Is it all the other <laughs> way around? Something like that. Yeah, that we final to send photos. I don't know, Remember that brief craze with the dress, whether it was mm. gold, gold and or white or blue and black. That did actually like blow my mind. <laughs> Cause a minor existential crisis. Yeah, I remember in my student house us passing around the, fo- the photo and being like <laughs> freaked out. <laughs> I still don't understand what happened there. I think something to do with the light and science. <laughs> I'm do with science. Okay, cool. Mm. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Broadly. Well, um, speaking of science. Yes. He's not a science teacher, <laughs> although I think in the muggle world, would he be science? I feel like he would be. Yeah, he'd be... Ke- well, I heard that he was loosely uh, inspired by a chemistry teacher. He'd definitely be chemistry, I yeah. reckon. Yeah. So, yeah, today we're going to be speaking about our favorite science teacher well or least favorite depending on who who you are yeah very true uh we are of course talking about the one and only severus snape potions master never quite defense against the dark arts except that one time briefly oh yeah (laughs) yeah snape snape severus snape (laughs) and we're asking the question is he the ultimate soft boy So Brody actually had to explain to me what a soft boy was before we did this episode. Uh, although I now do feel much more informed. But Brody, maybe you could start off by telling the listeners what a soft boy is. Yeah, sure. So I was first introduced to the idea by this Instagram account called Beam Me Up Soft Boy. Um, they have loads of screenshots of conversations from dating apps, which kind of have a big soft boy energy (laughs) and the soft boy spectrum is really broad. So it can be from something that's kind of quite harmless, like a guy who just has really niche interests, Mm. um, which is obviously totally fine, but it's also kind of creeps into then them lording that nicheness over you. And it goes right through to people who are kind of really volatile and entitled and stuff. So um, but yeah, I found some good definitions in The Guardian and in Vice, which I thought might be helpful. Yeah. So in The Guardian, there's an interview with Iona who runs the Beam Me Up Soft Boy account. And they were answering the question, what is a soft boy? And they said, there's a soft boy spectrum. At one end, it's just anyone who has a unique or alternative interests that makes them feel superior to other people. At the other end is quite hardcore, emotionally manipulative men who use these interests to really mess around with women or men. But there's so many people in between on the spectrum that there's really no one definition. Soft boys have alternative interests and come across like they're being very open about their emotions, which is a really good thing for men to do. 
but it then twists into and you should therefore sleep with me because of this right yeah that makes sense i got you they, they kind of lord their alternativeness over people yeah exactly and that's when it gets kind of horrible mm-hmm. um so they go on to say the difference between the soft boy and a decent guy who's just in touch with his emotions and maybe has a passing interest in Lou Reed is that the soft boy would try and lord his nicheness over people. They have blind faith that the people they want to impress will fall at their feet simply because they're different. And if they don't, he will likely throw his toys out the pram. Mm. So it's the kind of person who would heavily judge you, like if you haven't heard of a certain band, read a particular book, mm. Uh, since some obscure French film, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Vice did an A to Z of soft boys. And again, they put them into the two categories, one which is pure evil and one which is objectively harmless. Um, the key difference seems to be like, the kind of like element of patronizing and manipulation. So a big example is Timothy Chalamet in Ladybird. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's quite, quite a fuck boy in that, but in like a soft boy way. Mm, I can really see that. So these are relatively new terms to me, uh, although I think we've all met someone who fits that category. <laughs> a boy I knew at uni was very much of this ilk. Oh, yeah. I think 90% of the men at my uni were somewhere on this scale. Mm. Yeah, like he would go out of his way to, you know, come across very gentle and artistic with mm-hmm. alternative interests. But he actually had quite a nasty streak. And I feel like the version of himself he presented was definitely kind of curated to win women over like Mm. rather than stemming from a place of genuine like respect Mm. yeah respect basically yeah I feel like it's a bit unfortunate really that the term itself like the word is soft because Mm. that to me feels like like a positive thing yeah because obviously we do want men to be and I'm doing the like quotation mark thing here when I say soft but like to me that means emotionally open and the word feels very much like the opposite of an alpha male uh, which is a good Mm. thing so I sort of feel like I don't know maybe we should clarify early on that when we're talking about the word soft boy we're not talking about like genuinely emotionally open and gentle men who we love yeah I hadn't initially I guess because I've only seen the term in the context of that account and those things. But yeah, you're right. From the outside, it definitely could be interpreted as that. Yeah. I feel like the word soft is a little bit unfortunate. Mm. Yeah. Although I understand it. I'm trying to think of other examples of things people get called. Well, there are fuck boys, but I feel like they're even more open with their intentions. <laughs> the clues in the name, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe soft boy is a term that should be put in quotation marks. Like you say, I think there's a big difference between an open, honest man who's genuinely in touch with his emotions and someone who's performing those attributes to solely like impress Mm. whoever it is they're trying to seduce. Yeah, exactly. So I'm bringing this round to uh, Severus Snape. Mm. I, I feel like the Snape debate has been going on for quite a while. Yeah. I've seen a lot of stuff on TikTok and it feels like it's not cool to like Snape anymore for various reasons. And as someone who's always loved Snape, I, I don't know, I initially felt a bit like defensive of his criticism. Mm. I feel like I'm maybe in the other camp a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah, I kind of feel like he might deserve it. <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's good to know. Uh, maybe I can try and change your mind over this episode. 
you will try. <laughs> very, very little niche reference there for anyone who appreciates it. So obviously I think anyone who's listening knows who Snape is, um, but if we're going to give a little quick intro, trip down memory lane. Mm-hmm. He plays a major role in the Harry Potter series, Potions Master, Defense Against the Dark Arts Teacher, and Head of Slytherin House. We meet Snape in the first book, and overall, he's a pretty dark presence in Harry's life. Mm. Uh, in the sixth book, he kills Dumbledore, and in the seventh, he takes over Hogwarts as headmaster. And it's not until right at the end that we learn he's been a double agent all along, trying to protect Harry through the years. Through his memories, we learn that he was in love with Harry's mother, bullied by his dad, and Harry goes on to name one of his children after him in his honour. He does indeed. Um, do you have a favourite Snape moment? Hmm. Favourite Snape moment? Hmm. I, th- I think there's a few in the books, but one that's sticking out to me from the films um, is in The Prisoner of Azkaban, when he's trying to protect Harry, Ron and Hermione from Lupin, who's just turned into a werewolf. Mm. And there's this really beautiful short moment where he's got his arms wrapped around the three of them. And oh, it just gives me all the feels. That is a nice shot. Yeah. Although, yeah, more like a still from the film than a, than a fave moment. Mm. Um, obviously, like killing Dumbledore is actually quite good. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it when he killed Dumbledore. Loved it when he killed Dumbledore. <laughs> but I mean, what I love about it is that he was protecting Draco. So, mm. And Draco's soul, like it's really deep. Yeah, so beautiful. He can protect the kids from all sorts of things, but can he protect them from himself? Mm. Yeah. And actually in that moment, he is also killing the one person who knows the truth about him. Yeah. Like nobody else does. And if Harry hadn't been there when Snape had died we might have never known. So he is really killing the one person who could back him up. <laughs> I know, that's bad. That's heartbreaking. Any, uh, any last words, Dumbledore? <laughs> <laughs> Did you put that letter in the vault, which we discussed? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. I also love the bit where he ignores Harry. Mm, yeah, sassy Snape is definitely a thing. Oh, that should be a meme, actually. That should be a whole account. Yeah, it's the bit where he's speaking to Harry and he's like, Dumbledore's away. And then Harry goes, where is he? When will he be back? And Snape kind of opens his mouth for a second, but then just turns around and walks away. <laughs> Amazing. I'm going to start doing that to people when I don't want to... Uh... Yeah, when I, I don't want to answer your question, actually. Mm. So great moments aside, as you're on the other side of the fence when it comes to Snape, what stands out to you against him? Like when researching this episode, what... Mm. what's putting you off his character well so I love him as a character I think as a character he's easily one of the most interesting in the book Mm. but as an actual human being he's kind of horrible Mm. when I was younger I just perceived him as this like scary adult but now I'm older I'm like why are you bullying children grown man (laughs) Mm. also he was initially a death eater so he willingly signed up to a supremacist organization and only changed his mind when they killed someone he liked Mm. Yes, that's that's all very true. I guess for me, that feels a little bit like he's got a kind of feeble moral fibre in him. Um, I don't know. Mm, yeah, that's quite prominent. But I know he's much more complicated than that. Those are just my initial feelings when I was researching for the episode. 
Mm. I was just kind of like, "Mm, seems like a mean guy. Yeah. And I had actually forgotten it's not actually just Harry that he's mean to. Neville. Yeah, Neville. Poor Neville. And he's horrible to Hermione. He's such a dick to Hermione. He comments on her looks as well. Like when they do that growing spell on her front teeth and then he's like, "Mm, I don't see any difference. Mm, Yeah, I made a note of that moment as well. As someone with big front teeth that I had to grow into, I felt Hermione's fury. Yeah. And he's not very nice towards Tonks. I mean, Mm. he is such a brilliantly painted character because for the first few books when I was younger, I did think, you know, he he does just come across as really scary and mean and Mm. just horrible. Was there any point that you thought he could be a double agent? No, but I remember you calling it. It didn't really occur to me. Like when he killed Dumbledore, I was like, he's an evil bastard, case closed. (laughs) But um, yeah, I can't remember thinking he was a double agent until you suggested it. Mm. Well, I hadn't thought about it until like maybe the fifth or the sixth book. And that was purely because of Dumbledore's unwavering loyalty towards Snape. Although I suppose now Dumbledore is actually a character whose moral fiber has also come into question. Mm. But I didn't actually predict Snape's connection with Lily at all um and that's probably the part of his story you know as a young Snape that got us thinking about soft boys really yeah I feel like the soft boy thing kind of comes from how volatile he is with Lily Mm. um I don't know when he calls her a mudblood suddenly it's a really Mm. horrible moment and I can see how it plays out with him having just been like humiliated because I think it happens just after he's been held upside down by James dickhead Potter um, mm. In my humble opinion, does anyone like James Potter? Why would you like James Potter? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lily's taste is uh, going to be called into question there. Yeah, I feel like I don't know. Obviously, they go on to pursue very good, noble causes, but he's mm. just a bully. Yeah. Although, I mean, him and Snape are guilty of bullying because even before he meets James, he's that way with Petunia as well. Mm, yeah. And we actually don't know a lot about Snape's upbringing, do we? I mean, which would be fascinating. I'd love to know more about that. Yeah, I mean, he called himself the Half-Blood Prince because one of his parents is a muggle. And so it's kind of interesting that his hate for muggles, like that he developed that prejudice that's, Mm. you know, also upheld by Voldemort, who also has a muggle father. Yeah, that's weird, Um, isn't it, that connection? mm. But other than that, I mean, all I seem to have recovered in my research was people mentioning that he grew up in not a nice household Mm. and that he wore lots of ill-fitting clothes. (laughs) Um, Mm. And I was like, "Mm, ill-fitting clothes. I don't know. It doesn't always lead to like potentially helping to murder people, but yeah. (laughs) Uh, Something that cropped up quite a lot was people saying because he had a bad childhood, that's why he became the kind of adult that he was. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that probably had a big part to play, but it's tricky because I, I, I always think those things should be taken into account. Um, But there is the argument that, you know, there are plenty of people who have difficult home lives and tricky upbringings and they don't go on to bully people. Harry Potter. Yeah, Harry Potter, prime example. Very, very difficult upbringing. Mm. There was um, an article by Emma Lord in Bustle and it was Why I'll Never Be Teen Snape. Did you find that one as well? Oh, no, I didn't actually. Well, she draws the parallels between Harry and Snape as well. Mm. Um, She says, 
The parallels between Harry and Snape's childhoods are impossible to ignore, and in fact are heavily alluded to in Harry's oculumency lessons. And yet Harry, despite the added burdens of fame, of the public mistrusting him, of the mockery of his peers, and the outright hostility of the wizarding government focused solely on him, still managed to remain a good person in his core. We give him so much flack for the angsty rants in the fifth book, but a few pages of caps locks are nothing compared to helping murder a bunch of people to help create a master pure blood race. <laughs> yeah, that is a fair point. Very well made. <laughs> I kind of feel in two minds about it. Um, like, yeah, a bad childhood doesn't mean that your fate is going to be one way. I think you have some say in it, um, in the person that you're going to be. But also, like, also some people are just better equipped to deal with bad childhoods. Yeah, exactly. So Harry had friends. Apart from Lily, Snape doesn't really have any friends to help steer him in the right direction. Mm. From the age of 11, Harry is surrounded by a whole community who are like looking out for him. So teachers, friends, and everyone in the Order of the Phoenix, people who believed in him and in one way or another fed into his life. Yeah. And people are born into just such, I know, I know this isn't necessarily the case with Harry and Snape, but people are born into hugely different circumstances and different advantages, class, race. Yeah, definitely. One part of me views Snape as like a young person who's been radicalized and was probably targeted by a group because he was vulnerable. Mm. And there are, there are people that I would judge for becoming radicalized. And then there are people who I would really sympathize with and not blame at all. And it would just depend on all sorts of circumstances in their life, I guess. Yeah. So Snape doesn't fall into a sympathizing category for you? He does. I guess it's difficult. He did Mm. all these horrible things and I just, I think he only really changed his mind after Lily was murdered. But maybe that's, you know, that it was only then when he saw the true nature of this cause that he thought was a good thing. Yeah. But did he really need to go on and bully children? Yeah. And that's the crux. I think that's one thing people really struggle to forgive and get past. Um, it's something that comes up again in forums I've read about Snape. I think it feels like the way he was with Hermione and with Neville was just really unnecessary. Um, Mm. And obviously he's bitter and angry and the love of his life is dead. And I mean, you know, he's, he's not a happy person. (laughs) No, it's not positive vibes only in that classroom. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not. And hurt people hurt people. Mm. So I think we can look at Snape's background and understand why he is the way he is but about having said all of that I mean you know Snape's redeeming qualities versus all of his horrible actions I suppose I'll tell you one question it's kind of thrown up for me is does one good deed because it's a strong good deed like cancel years of emotional abuse (laughs) (laughs) this is it I mean also, it's not just one good deed once. His position in the Order of the Phoenix is like pretty thankless. People are horrible to him. And it's only Dumbledore who trusts him. I watched a YouTube video from this person called Murphy Napier, who does this like hour-long Snape analysis. And she she read all the books again, took a note of every time Snape was in a scene or Snape was talked about. And then she took two days off work. Wow, I love this level of research. I know. She took two days off work. Yeah legend and she gathered all her notes together and read them and did this video analyzing snape throughout the books and it's she's very nuanced about it it's a great video and what conclusion does she come to well it's a very mixed one she's kind of like 
I can never accept the way he treated the children and how he, after being a victim of bullying, chose to bully people. Mm. But she says, like, he does more than one good deed. So she's, she goes into the example in the Order of the Phoenix when he does loads and loads of things to try and save Sirius mm. um, and pass Harry's message on. And, yeah. you know, Sirius was always very hostile to him and part of the gang who bullied him. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And there are so many things that he does that are dedicated to the cause of stopping the evil. You know, he, I feel like he's really useful to that side because he knows the evil better than any of them because he knows how it can appeal to people and how it can sink into their minds. Mm. Um, and you could argue that he might never have swapped sides if Lily hadn't been murdered but if he really deep down believed in Voldemort's cause I feel like he probably would have returned to it Mm. I don't think I mean like why would you spend the rest of your life dedicated to a cause you didn't believe in yeah it's very tricky isn't it I think one of the reasons I find it hard to think of Snape so negatively is because of Alan Rickman yeah (laughs) he's like this presence that's stopping me feel anywhere and obviously they're different people i know i know (laughs) if he was played by someone else i'd feel very differently but obviously alan rickman is just like brings a depth of character to every role that is so oh when alan rickman died i mean that was when i deleted the bbc news notifications from my phone oh wow that's because it felt like in the middle of the day somebody had just come up to me and punched me in the throat i was like yeah oh it's like an emotional punch in the gut isn't it and also just the way it came up as a notification i was like oh i think it was the same year as well that like david bowie had died and yeah it was a bad old year it was a bad year and i think i remember saying to you before like what celebrity death has like hit you the most or were you most like surprised by was it you we were having this maybe it's someone else me and my friends were talking about what celebrity deaths had like been Mm. the most like (gasps) for us and um ouch alan rickman was was a big one for people yeah Um, he just felt so young still yeah this is a side note but i i know he plays a horrific character in robin hood but i kind of fancied him in robin hood (laughs) and he's the sheriff of nottingham (laughs) I don't not fancy him as Snape. Like, even though Snape's a horrendous <laughs> such a cryptic way to say I fancy Snape. <laughs> I don't not fancy him. <laughs> but I don't. But again, yeah. I think it is just because it's Alan Rickman. And I know what you're mm. saying about Robin Hood. One of my other good friends felt strongly about that as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but again, I, I think it's just because it's Alan Rickman. And mm. there are so many great stories about him on set. And did you know that he caught uh, Rupert drawing a caricature of him? Um, oh. Yeah, so he was, I think they were all quite afraid and intimidated of Alan at the time um, because he was a method actor as well. So between scenes, he sometimes comes across as a bit Snape-like. Oh. Um, obviously, he was like embodying that whole energy in the character. But So I think they were all a bit intimidated, understandably. But he loved the caricature that Rupert drew so much that he asked him to sign it and he kept it. Oh, that's so sweet. Mm. But I think my favorite Alan Rickman anecdote was one from Kate Winslet. And apparently he was such a big softy and he would go to incredible lengths so his friends wouldn't have to pay at dinner. So he'd like go phone ahead and make sure the restaurant had his card and everything. Uh, So no one got to even look at the check. And then whenever anyone would try and protest, he would just say, I've got two words for you, Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and he just became known for doing that, which is just... Oh, that's so nice. I know, my whole heart. When he passed away, Daniel Radcliffe wrote a lovely tribute to him. Um, and it ended with, film sets and theatre stages are all far poorer for the loss of this great actor and man. Mm. We were lucky we got him at all. Too mm-hmm. good a person. Yeah. So it's very hard for me to not like Snape because I fucking love Alan Rickman. (laughs) Yeah, I see that. So one of the reasons the soft boy term made me think of Snape was that scene that I mentioned to you where he's like, what would you get if you added powdered root to a thingy thingy of wormwood? And he's like being all pissy with his knowledge. Mmm pissy i haven't heard that word for ages <laughs> don't be pissy i like the word yeah um yeah and i guess he's not necessarily directly trying to impress anyone but that lording knowledge over someone else made me think of it mm. and also his nasty reactions to lily i could just i could sort of imagine him being like oh you wouldn't understand the dark arts my niche interest <laughs> um maybe that's yeah. a bit of a stretch but i'm not sure those were kind of the reasons um I think the term resonates with the character. Mm. He's also got a bit of a kind of Kylo energy about him, the moody, broody vibe. Mm. Yeah, the moody emo. I definitely can see that a bit. Mm. And also the ultimately really difficult to like. Obviously, Kylo is worse. I mean, he's a mass murderer. Yeah, it's not a good look. (laughs) But Snape enables a lot of bad stuff. He does, yeah. And they both kind of, you know, sort of semi-switch sides. Mm. A bit late for the old Kylo there, though. Mm. Well, I have a question for you, speaking of Kylo. Is it okay to thirst after morally questionable characters? Because we all do. Mm. You know, like you said, Alan Rickman in Robin Hood. Oh, yeah, his character is absolutely horrific. Yeah. I think the thing is, there's a really big difference. Like, I'm not thirsty over Mussolini or anything. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Some people were maybe, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like in reality. Yeah. Also, the fact that these characters are fictional cannot be stated enough. Yeah, they're fictional. Nobody's, nobody got hurt. Yeah. Okay, thank God. I'm glad you've said that. That's all right. Because I did a TikTok after our Stranger Things episode and was like, oh yeah, Billy and Steve. And 90% of people were like, yeah, Billy and Steve. But then like 10% were like, you know, Billy is a bad person, guys. He's horrible. (laughs) And he is, yeah. And he is. But it's like, I'm sorry that I don't just fancy morally just characters. But I mean, you know, side note, I also don't fancy real life villains, as you said. I think the fictional thing is a comfy barrier. Yeah, it's a comfortable barrier. Absolutely. And also like, you're meant to fancy Billy, the entire lens of which, you know, his character is filmed through. I don't know. There is a big difference with the fiction yeah. thing. Also, there's not a lot of choice. Like, it, it, there's a lot of, I'm not going to choose to fancy this person. Yeah, you can't really control it. Exactly. Also, I'd say, like, with Billy and with Kylo Ren and all those kind of characters, it's 90% that I fancy, like, Adam Driver or the actor who is portraying them. It's not 90% I fancy, like, a fictional galaxy warlord. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's when the character is personified by a person who's charismatic. Also, Mm -hmm. with Kylo Ren, fancying Adam Driver in that role doesn't mean that I'm now looking for somebody who's, like, volatile and aggressive in real life. Mm. 
yeah that's very true although i i have to say i think i am someone that like fancies characters over actors but Mm. i you know i think there's also something safe about fancying fictional characters like they're not a real thing so it's a way to talk about all of these things um but it's safe because they're not going to jump through the screen or or the book and you know call me a muggle no (laughs) it's maybe helpful in like a safe way to be presented with characters who are confusing as well like you say you you know you can discuss them or think about them with a safe distance also Mm. somebody being a good person doesn't always like align to someone being attracted to them Mm. and that's something that should be explored in art like there's Mm. something really bad about equating goodness with beauty yeah well it's also just not true to life so no and that's why like i really love in psycho norman bates is performed as a really like attractive person initially obviously i'm not attracted to some murderous guy who's killed his mum and keeps her stuffed corpse upstairs yeah i hear yeah (laughs) but the reason that they cast this person is because from one side he seems really interesting and attractive and gentle and you're meant to be lulled into a false sense of security. Mm. And that's what makes him so scary. Because, you know, if he came around the corner and it was like, oh, crazy Nick. <laughs> I don't know, everyone would be like, oh my God, that person's evil. But, you know, evil doesn't always arrive looking bad. Sometimes evil looks pretty good. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, sister? That is a very messy section, but interesting. Mm. I mean, I think it's interesting. But back to Snape. Mm. What I wanted to say, uh, which is why I brought up Billy, because um, as with Snape, you know, Billy's ultimately redeemed at the end when he saves Eleven. And mm. redeemed is a big word. Yeah. But Snape's final deed doesn't cancel or invalidate all of the horrible things he's done. And there might be some emotional scars, which he's caused Harry that never heal. It doesn't make that go away. But like, ultimately, I wouldn't say that he's good or evil. Mm, he's kind of ambiguous yeah and jk rowling who you know is a bit of a gray ambiguous individual herself these days but when talking Mm. about snape she said snape is all gray you can't make him a saint he was vindictive and bullying and you can't make him the devil he died to save the wizarding world Mm. she said snape deserves both admiration and disapprobation like most of us so well that's topical (laughs) (laughs) i know Mm, yes gray very gray one thing i actually wanted to ask you about was what do you think about the always thing hmm i i don't know i haven't really thought about it if i'm honest Mm, fair enough (laughs) (laughs) well fair enough (laughs) um but yeah well i I, so i read an article in bustle about snake bop bop ing um sorry (laughs) snake bop into a tune Bop it. Bop it. Flick it. Twist it. I found that a little Quite bit. weird. <laughs> Lick it. God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that, like, literally was not a connotation I made till just, till just now. That's horrible. Oh, wish we were in a game. That's nasty. <laughs> oh, I was going to say you're lowering Aggressively more inappropriate. Yeah. Um... What was I going to say? Oh, I accidentally said Snape was bopping it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's not what I meant. What I was saying was I read an article in Bustle about Snape not being a hero. Mm. Um, It's by Melissa Ragsdale. And she said, 
every time I see always inscribed on a wedding cake or tattooed on a couple, I want to hurl. It's not sweet. If anything, it sounds like a threat. The phrase indicates a dangerous attitude that is all too common in men. I want you and nothing can stop me. It's an entitled way of thinking and it reeks of ownership and objectification. It did not matter that Lily had told him no. Snape would always lay claim to her. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes into some stuff about, like, I don't know, she says about Snape kind of stealing her Patronus without her consent. And I was kind of like, mm, car- mm-hmm. yeah, steady on. <laughs> yeah, let's not get carried away. No, let's not get carried away. But I do think it's interesting. Um, you know, there is something about his love for Lily being mm-hmm. a bit like an obsession. Yeah, it's a bit of a possessive love. Yeah, it is possessive. Um, and, you know, can you really love someone if you don't, I don't know, like he's starting to believe the opposite of everything she stands for. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I guess he doesn't in the end. No, he doesn't in the end. And maybe deep down, some people would argue. Mm. Yeah. And like you say, hurt people hurt people. Yeah, hurt people hurt people. What do I think about the always word? It could also be interpreted as a, you know, like love isn't always romantic. And I think he did love her romantically, but it is kind of symbolic of when he realized he was on the wrong path, you know, as well. And Mm. it lines up with losing her and she was his first love and only friend. And she obviously holds a really strong place in his love. And that platonic love was, Mm. you know, that wasn't reciprocated. She Mm. did love him as a friend for a long time, but she stopped loving him or you know couldn't be his friend anymore because of who he was turning into Mm. I think I read somewhere that there was a connection with the word always signifying Lily's love for Harry um or like a mother's love and that's the thing that protects him Mm. um well I suppose it's ultimately also just the message of the books as well isn't it love so I think for me the word always was just another way of threading that theme in like I didn't Mm. see it as a possessive thing um although I can I can see how yeah that interpretation yeah I can see where that came from yeah it's a sad thing Snape's life is a very sad story um Mm. there's another bustle article which summed up the difficulty classifying Snape really well um so it said he had a difficult childhood but he also made the choice to become a death eater and thus help enable killing thousands of people He eventually became a double agent and supported Dumbledore, but he only did so when he had something personal at stake. He loved Lily Evans, but he also drove her away. He fought against the man who killed her, but he also did his level best to make her orphan son feel miserable. Yet ultimately, the fight against Voldemort probably would have failed without him. So how do you possibly classify such a person? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes people want to be able to put people in a specific moral box but mm. I just don't think you can with Snape or with most people. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've seen in the social media posts against Snape, which did make me think of him in a negative light, was someone said, would he have treated Harry differently if Harry was a girl and looked like Lily? And everyone Ooh. was a bit like, yeah, that maybe would have been a bit off. Yeah. But I know I keep coming back to the redeemed word, but I suppose can Snape be redeemed? Can a character be redeemed? Surely yes, because what hope does humanity have if people can't? Mm, That's true. And I'm not saying it cancels out all of the bad things he's done, but people have to be forgiven and there has to be some redemption. Otherwise, 
can be a very dark world, guys. Very dark. Mm. Yeah, totally. And yeah, humans are nuanced and complex. But bringing this back round to our episode title, is he a soft boy? Well, for me, he's definitely vindictive and manipulative and entitled. The traits mm. from the very bad end of the scale of soft boys. Um, but, you know, he's also pretty brave and loyal, which puts him somewhere else. Like, mm. I can imagine him patronizing me and insulting me if I rejected him. Mm-hmm. But I can also kind of imagine him saving my life. So mm-hmm. he definitely exists somewhere on the soft boy scale for me. Yeah, that's very true. I So I personally feel like for me, a soft boy is someone who is being purposefully deceitful about their intentions and interests when courting men or women. And with Snape, I feel like he's someone who has always been quite blatant and open with his views, like even mm. if they're abhorrent. So with mm. Lily, part of me thinks if Snape was a soft boy, surely he would have been more like, oh yes, I love muggle culture. I'm actually reading all about them. <laughs> you know, I'm really open like that. Just, you know, trying to imitate whatever behavior he would hope she finds attractive. That is, that's very true. Yeah, he doesn't seem to try and say what he thinks she wants to hear. Mm. Um, but I still feel like he has this superiority, inferiority complex, like bubbling away. Mm. Um, like I can imagine him lording his interest in the dark arts over Lily in quite a patronizing way. Yeah, that's very true. And that is classic red flag, soft boy behavior. <laughs> but as on the scale, there are good people and you know bad people on this mm. scale. Yeah, I think you're right. He's definitely on the uh, on that spectrum. I think one thing I get worried about when talking about these terms, which tell me if I'm being ridiculous, but I don't want men and boys who are genuinely sensitive, open and gentle to feel like, oh, bloody hell, how am I supposed to talk about these things now without seeming like I'm being a bloody soft boy? But mm. I suppose the answer is like, just back it up with being a genuinely nice person. And if a girl rejects you... Yeah, don't, t- don't round on her. <laughs> yeah, don't turn to the dark side. Yeah, softness in men is a wonderful trait. We are all about that. And having niche interests is cool and fine. And, you know, there's an alternative term for women with the soft boy thing too. Yeah, I was thinking about that because obviously there's manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, exactly. But actually, I think more than that, there's pick me girls. I don't know what that is. Oh, okay. Well, let me tell you. A pick-me girl is a girl who's like, do you know what? I'd rather just have a beer, chill with the boys, watch the football. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Like cool girls. Yeah. And obviously there are women who genuinely love those things. I'm not talking about them, but pick-me girls fake an interest. So it's like, oh, I'm not really like other girls. That's a pick-me girl. Also, I think it's someone who might put other women down in front of men to make herself look better. Mm. Mm-hmm. I feel like soft boys, you know, pick me girls are all victims of the patriarchy. Oh yeah. Say it louder for the people at the back, sis. <laughs> I said soft boys. <laughs> and pick um, me up girls, all the- victims of the patriarchy. Yeah. I think that it seems like, you know, society's created a culture where women should, you know, compete with each other for men's approval and men are entitled to women's love. Yeah. We're encouraged to crush and compete. It's capitalism, isn't it? The thing it always comes down to. 
I've definitely encountered some very toxic behavior from men that has been very entitled and manipulative and whether or not they intended to do that, they certainly felt it was okay in the society we've created. So Mm. whilst I do think individuals are responsible for their behavior in one way, it's also the result of a culture that we've all like stewed in. Yeah. The soft boy is a result of the patriarchy and of capitalism. Mm -hmm. It makes me also think of that guy you sent me the other day, that comedian on Twitter who's feminist fuckboy. Oh yeah, Will Hislop. Feminist fuckboy on a date. (laughs) So good. He really encapsulates that negative trope. Like, of course, there's no problem with a man reading Maya Angelou and enjoying it. Like, that's great. Of course. We love that. But is he doing it to impress me and put me down and tell me about feminism? Yeah, exactly. Or is he doing it because he's interested in her work and respects her? Yeah. It's all about the intention, isn't it? It's the intention behind the act. Exactly. Like, I love loads of soft boy things. I'm always like, you know, I'm watching Twin Peaks. (laughs) My favorite book is Circe. Oh, yeah. My favorite book is Circe. I love the classics. (laughs) I went to Goldsmiths. (laughs) I could easily be a soft boy, but I don't go around being like, I do not watch Sex in the City. Who would watch that? Tell me you've watched Twin Peaks. <laughs> That's the difference, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I can enjoy old episodes of Towie on YouTube and also <laughs> like enjoy a bit of Shakespeare now and again. Yeah, Gemma Collins. Who doesn't love Gemma Collins? Gemma Collins is the bard of our day, isn't Abs- she? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, and on that note, I don't know how we got here. But no, interesting should... place. Mm. We wandered from the path. Yeah, Snape to Gemma Collins. But that's what you get mm. on this podcast, guys. Variety. Yes. Variety. Variety. Um, I don't know why I whispered it. Variety. Variety. <laughs> uh, I think we should probably wrap things up for the day. Fair enough. Go get something to eat. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 13. I don't think it was unlucky for us, do you? I enjoyed that. Obviously, we I enjoyed don't... it. I enjoyed it. There, I've said it. <laughs> Let's now see if know. other people... Yeah. I guess we won't know if 13 is unlucky until other people listen to it, but um, yeah, who knows? Um, thanks so much for listening, guys. Yeah, if we'll... you enjoyed today's episode, please do rate and review it uh, on Apple Podcasts or share, you know, shout about it on social media. We love, we love it when we see that. Yeah, and over the last few weeks, we've had quite a few lovely DMs from people as well um, and just wanted mm. to say thank you so much for those. They um, make our day. They make our day. So, yeah, we'll be back next week. Chat to you then. Bye.